0: residential fires pose a significant threat to lives and property worldwide. Every year thousands of homes are lost to blazes, displacing families and causing devastating injuries and fatalities. Understanding the causes and consequences of residential fires is crucial for taking preventative measures and ensuring the safety of ourselves and our loved ones. Statistics surrounding residential fires paint a sobering picture. In the United States alone, an estimated 353,500 home fires occurred in 2021, resulting in 2,840 deaths, 11,400 injuries, and a staggering $8.8 billion in property losses. These figures translate to an average of one home fire every 88 seconds claiming seven lives and injuring 56 people daily. While the overall numbers of fires has decreased in recent years, the death rate has unfortunately seen a slight increase. The impact of residential fires extends far beyond the immediate physical damage. Survivors often grapple with long-term emotional and psychological trauma, including anxiety, depression, and post-traumatic stress disorder, The loss of personal belongings and displacement from homes can further disrupt lives and livelihoods. In some cases, families may never recover from the financial and emotional burdens brought on by a fire. If you haven't figured it out yet, today's episode, I'll be talking about fires. They're not something as frequently talked about as traditional police-related crimes, but as I've said, they can be incredibly impactful to lives and not in a good way. Welcome back to Music City
1: 911. Hey, Kelly 911, what's the address of the emergency? Hello, 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 my house is on fire. What's your address? What? Yes. Yes, ma'am. Okay, do you know the nearest cross Street for... Okay, do you know what road that runs off of? No, ma'am, I am a child, and um, my mom and my dad are trying to save my grandparents in the fire. All right, the whole house is on fire? Um, no. Um, I'm choking right now. I'm sorry, I'm so scared. Um, I right, hold on. Um, I'm getting that fire department on the way out there. Hold on one second, okay? Okay. Right, that's all right. I All mean, right, how old are you? I'm nine years old. Okay. And you said you were trying to get your grandparents out of the house? We're trying to get everybody out of the house, evacuating the house. Um, me and my sisters are of the house and my mom, and my dad are trying to get my grandparents and my uncle out the house. Okay. Hello? I'm still here. Do you know the phone number that you're calling me from? Um, no man, no, no, I do not. Oh, my God. Okay, you do not know the phone number? Um no ma'am. Okay, well I do already have help started to you. Um, is there any adult available that I can speak to? They have all no, Izzy, come here. Huh? No, they 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 are trying. Okay, tell him I need to get out of the house, okay? And I want you to get out of the house too, okay? We are out of the house. Y'all are out of the house? Is everybody out of the house? I'm so sorry. I'm shaking right now. I, I understand. I understand. It is okay. You're doing a good job, okay? Can you tell me if everybody's out of the house? Like, is your grandparents out? No, they're not. They the grandparents are not out of the house? No, neither. Andy? Okay. And you do see flames and smoke, correct? Yes. yes. Okay, where was the fire at in the house? In okay, the... where was the... Where did you see the flames at? In the... In the living room. It was where? In the living room. In the living room? Yes. yes do you know what started it? Um no my no grandfather, hey. My grandfather, he still smokes. He still smokes, and he probably um, he probably um, you know, you know, like the I'm checking, I have anxiety. Can't, Can't stop. Can't if you don't go back in the house. Don't go back in the house. Okay, I'm gonna stay on the phone with you, okay, until people get there. So don't hang up with me. Okay. Oh okay. Okay, are y'all in the front yard? We are in the backyard, ma'am. You're in the backyard? Yes. I can't stop shaking. Andy, I can't stop faking. Okay, and who are you out there with right now? Are you out with your parents? No, they are trying to put the fire out. That's okay, true. okay, I understand that they're trying to put the fire out, but can you please tell them they need to not go back in that house? Mom, you can't go up in there. Oh the they're not listening to me. They're not listening to you? Okay. Yeah, they're like, they're like a there in the living room and it's, Okay, can you see the fire from outside? Yes, the smoke is like coming outside. Smoke is not coming from in, coming outside. Yes, it's, it's, it's like coming outside. <laughs> okay, and you do not see your grandparents, correct? They're still inside that house. Mommy, come on, you can here. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. and you. Okay, right, don't hang out with me, okay? I'm staying on the phone with you till somebody gets there, okay? Okay. Okay, please do not hang up this phone. No, no. I hear the police. Okay, you hear somebody? Yes, I hear the police. I don't know Okay, but okay, stay on the phone with me, okay? Can somebody go to the hey, front yard no, where your driveway is? It's so hard. The police are here. The police are there? <laughs> Okay, can you go to the front where the police are? But yes, do, not, do not go into the house, okay? Can you walk around the outside of your house in the front yard? Yes. Mommy, come on, come on. I'm shaking, I can't stop shaking, ma'am. I understand, but you said that there's a police officer there, correct? Yes, yes, there we Yes, yes, there's a little more clock and more clock for coming. This is a firefighter job and we cannot move this out. I know, I know. There's firefighters on the way too, okay? Okay, but officers are getting there first. And you said there's an officer there? Yes, yeah, so there's the officer there. Okay, I'm going to let y'all talk to the officer, okay? Fire department should be pulling up any minute. Okay, I'm taking I'm, 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 Okay. It's okay, okay. They're going to take care of it for you. Thank you, ma'am. You're welcome. You're welcome. You did a good job. I'm going to hang out with you, okay? Yes. All right, I'm hanging me. up. Okay. Bye, right, bye.
0: Most times with house fires, you never ever hear anything about them. Nothing in the news, nothing in the papers. Probably nothing even on the web. It's usually pretty simple. Someone has a fire in the house. They dial 911. The fire department gets a call over the radio. Sometimes getting woke up in the middle of the night to run to their fire trucks, hop in, flip on their lights and the obscenely loud sirens, respond to the place that's on fire, pour thousands of gallons of water onto it, and then they leave. The family is left to deal with the damage and insurance claims and such, and hopefully, when it happened, no one was hurt or worse. This call, there was a small amount of info that was released. October 11th, 2019, Fayette County, Georgia E 911 Center received the call that we just listened to. Nine year old Delilah Austin was the caller who was reporting that her house is on fire. While on the phone with dispatch, it was very evident that Delilah was incredibly nervous and even frightened. That didn't stop her from relaying some good information, the most important being the address. Every time that she was questioned about who was in the house, The list seemed to get longer and longer. Her parents were trying to get her grandparents out of the house. Then she said her sisters are also there. And then her uncle. In total, eight people are inside the house, including two disabled people in wheelchairs. I've talked previously on episodes about the level that we dispatchers want to help people. If anyone calls, and they have some sort of an incident going on, whether it's crime, a fire or some sort of medical problem, we're going to help 100%. When it's involving someone who would be less able to help themselves, children, elderly people, disabled individuals, we all kick into another gear. Our normal way of dispatching, that's already rolling at full steam. But with callers who are less able to help themselves, it gets surpassed. We find some sort of a different mode in our own personal settings menu. This call had all of those elements. Delilah, even though she was frightened, she was able to give some info. Sometimes it was a bit more difficult because not only was she trying to pay attention to the dispatcher, she was also watching her parents trying to get everyone out of the burning house. Sheriff's deputies got to the house first and went in and got Delilah's father, with Delilah later saying, they saved his life. When fire and medical crews arrived, they battled the blaze and ended up transporting two people to the hospital for burns and smoke inhalation. They were both released a short time later. Three days after the fire happened, Delilah was invited to the e One center to meet the dispatcher who was on the phone with her, Amber Heminger. Accompanying her was her mother and her sisters who were both younger, at five and two years old. While there, the family relayed a dispatch that luckily, everyone inside the house is now okay. The next call, even though there's a bit of silence, I'm going to play it in its entirety, being that there is some controversy surrounding it.
2: Thank you, Kenny, 911 what's the emergency.
1: 9-1-1. What's
3: your address? Okay. It's
1: 80-
3: <laughs> What's your apartment number? I'm sorry, you'll have to say that clearly. And what what's the name of your apartments?
1: hollow apartment. <laughs> Help me, please.
3: You said your apartment on is on fire. Is that correct? Hello. Hey, can you hear me? need you to say your apartment number clearly and distinctly. Any Medi-Captain be 10 for an apartment fire at 8165 East Central, Brook Hollow Apartments.
0: The info on this call. It tells a ton, but it also lacks about two tons. The call came in to the Sedwood County Emergency Communication Center at 3.58 a.m. A large fire department response occurred, which for a reported structure fire involving an apartment complex, a large response is standard. Station one, station two,
2: station nine, station 14, station 15, station 18, station seven, For an apartment fire, 8165 East Central. (laughs) Battalion 1, Mobile Air 1, Battalion 2, Rescue 1, Rehab 7, Battalion 3, Engine 9, Truck 3, Engine 14, Squad 14, Engine 15, Squad 15, Engine 18, Truck 5. For an apartment fire, 8165 East Central, 8165 East Central at Brook Hollow Apartments. An apartment fire, Battalion 1, Mobile Air 1, Battalion 2, Rescue 1, Rehab 7, Battalion 3, Engine 9, Truck 3, Engine 14, Squad 14, Engine 15, Squad 15, Engine 18, Truck 5, your map pages 6047, operate TAC 1 on arrival, TAC 1.
0: As I said, an apartment fire, it gets a lot of units going out to it. What we and also what sounds like the dispatcher could tell that was going on with the call is that the caller was reporting her apartment was on fire. Info was difficult to hear, but the three main things were what was happening, where it was happening, and what apartment the caller was in. It was established the apartment was on fire and that the name of the apartments were Brook Hollow Apartments. When asked what the apartment number was, the caller was screaming, and it was hard to understand. The dispatcher then tried to get the caller to clarify and repeat the second time it sounded like she said 306. The first time I listened to this call, likely just like the dispatcher, it was a bit hard to understand, but I could hear her apartment, 306, the second time she said it. But I was also listening with a more critical ear and also in a likely better environment with better audio equipment than the dispatcher was using. A dispatcher in a loud call center environment might not have been able to extract that though with the use of a playback function in their phone system if available it should have been pretty clearly heard the phone went silent after that the dispatcher wasn't able to have the caller confirm the apartment number or any other information fire crews started going to the scene and gave what we call a brief initial report or bir Rehab Struck
2: 5 route. Rest what's en route. Battalion uh, 2 en route. Officer, Battalion 3, my MCT's down. I'm en route. What uh, attack channel? Attack 1, attack 1, I'll attack 1. Officer, uh, from squad 15, you have an apartment number? So I'm possibly apartment 304 right now. Overlord 1 en in route. Incoming crews from engine 15, we got heavy fire showing off Rock Road. Make this a second
0: alarm. Once additional fire crews arrived on the scene, battling the blaze was an extremely difficult job. A mayday was called when firefighters were on a stairwell that collapsed. It was an extremely unsafe situation for the firefighters. But it was also a dangerous scenario for residents there inside the apartments. Three people were injured. Two of those, when they jumped from a window trying to save themselves. The caller that we heard, Paoli Badeski, she was found taking shelter in her bathtub, though by the time the firefighters got to her, it was already too late. Her last words that we know were possibly recorded on that call, but hard to hear. Help me, please. She was just 22 years old. How was it that she was killed with so many fire personnel there on the scene? That's where the controversy lies. Fingers are getting pointed left and right, and the answers as to who was in the wrong isn't as clear-cut as some make it out to be. If you were to look up the victim's name on a search engine like Google, article after article will pop up about her being a fatal victim of a fire, and in almost all the articles, you will see how the 911 dispatchers are to blame. That may be the case, but I don't believe all the blame lies with dispatch. The next little bit of info will be mostly my own opinion based off knowledge I have working in the field and also based off the limited amount of info I have regarding this incident. From my research, it seems as though 10 calls total were placed regarding this fire, the one we heard, and then 9 others, including from people in apartment 304. While fire crews were en route, one of the units, squad 15, asked if dispatch had an apartment number. Dispatch responded, possibly apartment 304 right now. Engine 15 then responded, while not even on the scene yet, that there was heavy fire showing from North Rock Road, which is at minimum a few hundred feet away from the nearest point of any of that apartment building. Minutes later, Dispatch advised, presumably from another caller on 911, that someone was trapped in apartment 302. Without knowing exactly how they do the numbering system at that apartment complex, my assumption would be that all apartments on the third floor would start with a 3 and each apartment past that would have a number assigned behind that 3, such as 302, 304, and 306. Other floors on the apartment would have the same system, 102 for the first floor, 202 for the second, and so on. Dispatch's role in this would be to relay all the information that they had to responding personnel so they'd have the best chance at not only stopping the fire, but also saving potentially trapped people inside. Listening to the 40-plus minutes of radio traffic, from what I could hear, Dispatch never said anything about Apartment 306. There were other things that were pointed out that Dispatch didn't follow through on. As Engine 15 was giving their observation from North Rock Road about the flames showing, they requested a second alarm. If their alarm system works the same as it does in Nashville, a second alarm essentially is sending an additional battery of equipment equal to the initial response. So if you were to have four engines, two trucks, and a rescue along with supervisory staff, the second alarm would be another four engines, two trucks, and a rescue, etc., and the same holds true for each additional alarm. Engine 15 asked for that second alarm and may not have had it sent out to him. So was dispatch to blame for this? It's entirely possible. Failing to relay this information, if it were available to him, could have led to a decrease in time in the search efforts that in turn caused the death of our caller. The International Association of Firefighters Local 135 Union believes that the call should have been dispatched as an apartment fire with persons trapped. The call we heard, she never mentioned that she was trapped. And with the uncertainty of her apartment number, there was no way dispatch could have verified exactly where the caller was, if she was safe and out of danger, or if she was in fact trapped. Later, after crews arrived on the scene, and as I said before, it was relayed that there was someone trapped in apartment 302. Also, someone from Apartment 304 called right at 4 o'clock in the morning saying that the whole building is on fire. IAFF spokesperson said that the information was not given to responding firefighters. The IAFF had a host of other complaints about dispatch and the way they handled the calls and radio traffic, even down to saying that the alert tones that were put out after the mayday was received was not done correctly. Dispatch can and possibly likely are at fault for doing some or all of these things. But the question that is sitting with me mostly is, does the responsibility of the firefighters on the scene solely rely on dispatch reports and immediately stop there? To clarify that question, if a fire department support unit was driving by the apartment and sees the flames shooting from the building and not a single person had called 911 about the fire, would the fire department request response over the radio drive to the scene and only start dumping water on the fire? The answer is no. The first engine company into a fire works a lot like the first set of officers going in on an active shooter situation. They will address the threat first before tending to any victims. The firefighter's responsibility on the initial engine's response is to try to keep the fire from spreading and creating potentially more victims, if there are any at all. This is absolutely true, but as additional units arrive on the scene, door-to-door searches are supposed to be performed. I don't believe that when those searches started, that they would only search apartments that dispatch had advised them on. A standard procedure would be to search at the base of the fire for victims, then extend their search, going outwardly on the same floor, going door-to-door, searching for any additional, then, since flames move up, go to the next floor up for their search, and finally if there's a floor below they would search the bottom floors last according to a timeline that was posted the first crews were dispatched at 359 at 402 the first unit was on the scene at 404 a truck company arrived on scene and was tasked with searching for anyone trapped the call for the man trapped in apartment 302 came at 408 also at 408 the truck company begins their search for victims, but they are in apartments 201 to 204, not 302 to 306 where the fire is. The mayday call came in somewhere between 408 and 410 when a set of stairs leading from the second to the third floor collapsed. That's when they deemed the attack to be a defensive one, which means they could not enter the building and had to fight the fire from the outside of the building, pulling the firefighters out of the apartments. Once the fire was knocked down to a certain level, the search resumed. Our caller in apartment 306 was found in her apartment 26 minutes after her 911 call came in. Obviously, I was not on the scene there. I don't know exactly what happened or where certain crews were at certain times with complete factual knowledge. I'm only going on reports. But if the main fire was on the third floor and multiple times apartments on the third floor were mentioned by dispatch, I believe that the third floor should have been the main focus of those search efforts. Things may have happened to prevent a thorough search, such as the collapse of the stairs. Dispatch likely had their errors in this, but to say that dispatch was solely to blame for the fire death of this caller that we listened to, I believe that's a stretch. Independent third-party investigations have been requested for this incident, Something like this can take months or longer to properly investigate. My only hope from this is that any agency that was involved, that they can learn from the mistakes that happened that night so further tragedies, such as this one, are more preventable in the future. And finally, this last incident, it's a whole different level. Such a different level that you may initially think I'm playing the wrong call. If you want your dog to experience all these incredible things, go to com slash MC911 today. 911 Emergency, operator
2: 949. Yes, my sister broke into my house and she has a gun. And she pepper sprayed me and I'm locked in the bathroom. Give me the address, please. six Laramie Avenue, Chatsworth. 96 Laramie? Yes. Alright, hold on a second, okay? Is she in the she house with the gun? The is she in the house with the gun? Yes, and she Yes. Okay, hold on. Let me get the police going over there. <laughs> Demonstrate units. A D W suspect are now nine six Laramie. Nine six seven Laramie suspect is a sister female white armed with a handgun. TR is locked inside the restroom. It's code three inside twenty six twenty five RD seventeen sixty two semi traditional. Oh my
1: God, she's now. setting a fire. Okay, hold on one second. Can we
2: get the fire department on the line. She's setting fire, call the fire department. The fire department's on the way. Hold on, I'm going to get them on the phone. They're going to go, hold on. Hey, Okay, hold on, ma'am. 17X91, the suspect lit the house on fire. She's in the fire make a 17X91, 17X91, the entire living room is now on fire. There's no way for the PR to exit the restroom. The suspect is still inside the residence with the handgun.
0: Los Angeles, California, at 1.50 p.m. on December 1st, 2023. 911 was dialed, and the caller was reporting her sister was there with a gun, and she was destroying the inside of the house, and also pepper-sprayed the caller. That was there on the inside of the house in the 9600 block of Laramie Avenue. Not long after units were dispatched, the suspect set the house on fire, with the caller still inside. Fire Department is then started to try to battle the flames, but just as with any situation like this, there was an obvious scene safety issue, the woman with the gun. When police arrived at the scene, luckily the caller was able to exit the house, but wasn't able to make it out of the yard, with a large wooden privacy fence preventing her departure. We'll switch from here to the body-worn camera audio. You'll be able to hear how big the fire had already grown, as well as how they had to address the threat so fire personnel could handle the flames..
3: Yeah, suspect's supposed to be in the back. All right. Gun's out, guns out. I know I see it's the electrical.. Hang on. Okay. female suspect is what we're looking for with the gun.
2: No. She
3: set my house on fire. Where is your sister, right? Uh,
2: yeah, I think she's a Where's she at? Ride, but I don't know.
3: Okay, let's get you out of here first. Go around through is anybody here at the house? No. Stay there. Get this out of the way. Hold for me, recu- hold, hold. Get her out of there. <laughs> is there something there? Uh, yeah, it's locked yeah, here. here. Can you fix this? Yeah. Hang on. Pull it. Apart. Okay, come out. Here. 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 Come on out. Where's your sister last seen?
0: In the backyard.
3: Hello, ma'am. Where was she last seen? In the backyard. This okay, leave that mean. bag there. Give it to the officer. Go stand over there at the corner. Cork, get, get him over here. Collier! Here, ma'am. Stop right here check this bag real quick.
2: Yeah, I just, I grabbed some clothes and
3: yeah. just leave it alone. Let him I go through mean, it. I want to know where this gun's at. Where was she parked? I didn't see her car. I said I a, green, a, car. Green, truck. It was a lime green truck. Okay. Hold right here. Stuck, this is our victim. Okay. This
2: is victim. Hold. hold on. Back, up, back, up. back up. Hang
3: on. Cover, like on. cover there. Cover there.
2: That's, That's fine. Do me a favor. Call
3: Stay with her. All right, you're with me. We're going into the backyard. Oh, no. Stay there. there! Okay, with me. Stay with me. Is there anybody else in the house? Find out if there's anybody else in the house. Perfect, get in here with me, Collier. I'll take point. That's okay. We're going to go to the right. Let's clear it. One at a time. Trash can, here. I'll cover down, clear the trash can. Okay, hold that door. Okay. Let's go. Let's go. Move in here. Hot. Go. Fucking hot. Woo. Run through it, run through it. Go around the back. Can you
2: clear? Can you go around the
3: garage? Can you go around the garage? Go around the garage that way. Go. Move it. Good. I got it. I got it. I'll handle. 17L40. Shots fired. Officer needs help. I need everybody to hold the scene. We're giving communications to the suspect. Stand by. Shots fired. Okay,
0: after removing the victim from the area and nearly literally running through the flames shooting from the house, officers managed to gather in the backyard, close to a garage. Two teams were made up to search for the suspect, one covering the house, the other to search behind that garage. When the team that was tasked with clearing the area behind the garage went past one of the walls and then turned a corner, the suspect was standing there staring straight at him. She had a gun in her hand and almost casually points it at the first officer that rounds that corner. The suspect also didn't fit the norm of what we would usually talk about in a call like this, one where they're destroying a house, holding a family member hostage, setting fire to the house with that hostage still inside, and then, finally, pointing a gun at a police officer. If I were to tell you that any other time, You'd probably imagine a young or middle-aged man deep in some drug-fueled rage. You'd easily believe me. This was not only a woman, but a 63-year-old woman. Certainly not what you would normally think of. After rendering care until paramedics arrived, the suspect, Lisa Davis, was transported to a hospital where she was pronounced deceased. Motive for this hasn't been made public but a neighbor of the caller said that the house in question was recently inherited by the caller and believes there may have been a dispute with the suspect over the ownership of the house. Crazy turn of events for a couple sisters and a disagreement. And that'll do it for this one. If you like this episode or any others, be sure to leave a five star rating and review wherever you listen to your podcast. If you didn't like the episode, I may be a bit clueless as to why you'd still be listening in this far. Patreon members, check your feed the next day or so. I'll be uploading the entire 40-plus minute recording of the radio traffic from that second incident on this episode. I'd love to hear your take on what went right and what went wrong. If you're not a Patreon member and want to check that out, along with ad-free and bonus episodes... Head over to patreon.com slash MusicCity 911. And if you're not on Patreon and still want to chat about it, the Music City 911 Podcast Discussion Group on Facebook is another place to throw around some opinions. Also, be sure to give my other podcast a listen. It's called Southern Sleep Stories. Its name is pretty much exactly what it is. Me giving you some relaxation techniques, followed by a chapter or two from an old book. Read slowly by me to help you fall asleep. And also maybe spur a little bit of nostalgia with the whole bedtime story aspect of it. Southern Sleep Stories. It's also available on any podcast app. Until next time, for Music City 911, I'm Brandon, and y'all have a good one.